You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly, as always, bringing you the show. Usually on the show, I'm joined by my co-host, Doug Moore, but due to uh, the timing uh, conflicts this week between my schedule, Doug's schedule, and my guest schedule, it just didn't work out. But I am delighted to, uh, I am ably uh, joined here by a man that I, I really enjoy each and every time we have on the show. I enjoy following him on Twitter, and uh, he's the associate editor at 444 Football. So definitely somebody here that's going to be a lot smarter talking football than I am. It is Mr. TJ Hernandez, TJ thanks for jumping aboard yeah thanks for having me back i'm uh, pretty excited for for week one we were just talking off air about getting ready for the game and uh sounds like you're gonna you're gonna try to pull an all-nighter to to watch it i i just i just pulled a, a writing all-nighter so uh, we're kind of in the same boat yeah you know how it feels uh, obviously we're recording this on thursday prior to thursday night football we have the chiefs and the patriots kicking it all off tonight so we've made it through the off season uh, it is week one the excitement you probably hear the excitement in my voice i am very very excited as it comes into week one and we wait all off season tj for it to come along and then it kind of you're like, whoa, it's, uh, I was sitting over the schedule for the show, and you, you have a set schedule in the off-season, then week one just creeps up, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, it is here, and it's, <laughs> we're ready to go. Yeah, it slaps you in the face. Like It takes such a big mental shift, and even like physical shift in your schedule. I mean, I've been so swamped with content, but it, it's fun. I'm excited, but but week one is just, uh, it's overwhelming, but like now, with Thursday game creeping up, it's uh, I'm getting really excited. I, every year, I think uh, I'm not going to be as excited as I was last year because I'm so busy, but as soon as that, that first kickoff happens, I'm just like, uh, I'm enthused. It's It's pretty, it's the best time of year. It's like Christmas. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, when you're ta- doing podcasts throughout the off-season, sometimes it does feel like a bit of a grind. You know, maybe when you're around June, you're trying to find news to talk about. There's very little topics, but over the last two or three weeks, it's really just ramped up each and every week, and there's more and more to talk about, more and more to do. And then you go from starting, if you're talking about fantasy football, you're saying this player's going to do this, and this player's going to do this. How far into the season, <laughs> far into week one, maybe, <laughs> until uh, we think, well, we were wrong about that. <laughs> yeah, but at least we can know quickly, like, there's a, there's a new finish line line every week right so that's what kind of keeps me sane throughout the grind of the season like you said in the off season the, the finish line's kind of week one but now we have at least we have something fresh and new to look forward to every week so uh, hopefully that'll mean winning some uh, fantasy leagues and then DFS tournaments or something like that yeah that's for sure and uh, we're going to get into talking about some of those cuts over the past week uh, since we've done the last show lots of news to talk about and then we're going to talk about maybe some waiver wire ads and maybe ahead of week one and then we're going to talk some predictions for the season season which again we'll probably be all wrong but we'll have a go at it anyway as always starting the show i'd like to thank all the listeners for coming and tuning in if you are listening on itunes if you're streaming on overtimeireland.com or whether you're listening on your just your favorite podcast app make sure you do hit that subscribe button come back each and every week i i always am very appreciated whether it's on twitter whether it's just people uh, making feedback on the show i really do appreciate it so hit that subscribe button give us a written interview on there it is much appreciated i plugged over the last couple of weeks as well on the show for uh, the banner ads that are up on overtimearden.com as well there's amazon up there amazon prime audible trials there's lots and lots of stuff i have an nfl europe banner ad there as well so if you're looking to buy any merchandise or looking to buy anything in general on amazon use those banner ads on overtimeireland.com and it'll kick a little bit back 
to OTA and uh, I am very grateful for that as well. So that's the plugs done. I always try and get through them as quickly as possible because I know when I'm listening to other shows, I can <laughs> be hoping that they get through them as quickly as possible. But heading into week uh, one, last week was the final cut. So it was a big change compared to what we're used to in the NFL. Usually the rosters are cut down over a three-stage kind of cycle and then we get down to the 53-man roster. Last week, it just went all the way down to 53. Did you find it uh, kind of overwhelming or very tough to keep up uh, throughout that first day of real, real cutdowns, TJ? Yeah, I mean, basically the last week, my my morning routine was wake up, and before I, I got out of bed, I was just uh, scrolling my, my Roto World app to see whatever news I missed. But yeah, that, that was pretty crazy just to see everybody go at once. And uh, Twitter, all, all the teams had their, their hashtag final 53 or final roster, and I was just scrolling my, my, my beat reporter. I, I, I realized it had been hours that I was scrolling my beat reporter timeline, but uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. There weren't too many uh too many cuts that really uh caught us for a loop i think the biggest one was was jonathan williams from the bills and tj ward but uh but nothing too crazy um in, in the cuts this year so i'm going to run through as many of them in as short a space of time as i can and then we might talk through some of them the cardinals cut veteran running back uh, chris johnson uh, kenwin williams will serve as the backup now to david johnson there in arizona the 49ers uh, made a lot of moves and they parted ways with qb matt barkley there was not a real surprise uh, with them taking in rookie cj bethard and bethard had a pretty massive run for a touchdown last week in preseason he will be behind brian hoyer uh, to start the season they also uh, like undrafted rookie matt bretta they've kept him as their second running back and that meant that tim hightower did get cut there jeremy Curley also cut and uh, i believe he jeremy Curley ended up with the jets today yeah jeremy Curley, and then i think jermaine curse went over there too so now all of a sudden the jets have kind of a muddy receiver situation <laughs> on a horrible team yeah pretty much and then uh, moving on uh, with cameron married this injury at the bears uh, you know victor cruz still didn't make the roster there so it looks like could be the end of the road for Victor Cruz's time in the NFL. He did well to come back from that patella tendon injury, but just uh, nothing really to come off it this season for him. Uh, the Bucks cut fifth rounder Jeremy McNichols, the running back, uh, did clear waivers and was claimed by San Francisco and added to their practice squad. So a little bit maybe of a surprise there so early into his career. Uh, running back for uh, running back Matt Jones was uh, cut by the Redskins, and um, you know. If anyone listens to this show, will know that we're not big fans of Matt Jones in particular, Doug. So uh, he uh, he has been claimed, though, by the Colts. And there's not a huge uh, depth chart there. Obviously, Marlon Mack, the rookie, is there. Robert Turbin is there. And then Frank Gore is there as well. And Frank Gore will live forever. So we'll see what happens there uh, in Indianapolis. The Seahawks give up on 2016 draft pick Alex Collins. He's signed to the Ravens practice squad. The Broncos, you mentioned TJ Ward. Uh, they tried to trade TJ Ward prior to him being cut, but that didn't work out, so they cut him. He wasn't out of work long. He signed a one-year contract, $5 million, uh, for that one year with Tampa Bay. So it really uh, bolsters up Tampa Bay's defense and starting to look like a pretty nice defense down there. Uh, a final surprise game on Sunday, the day after, really, the cutdowns happened. You mentioned Jonathan Williams was cut. It seems to be that it's, uh, you know, the, to, to me there must be something off the field that happened there. But in Rappaport, they're saying that it was simply a footballing decision. The Broncos did sign Williams to their practice squad. And they signed him for uh, over half a million dollars, so it's uh, pretty pretty pricey for a taxi squad. And the Broncos also made a big, big splash uh, in the Fraser yeah. market again, and they signed uh, Brock Osweiler back to the roster. So last year uh, they didn't come to a deal with him. He moved to the Texans. We all know what happened there. Was with the Browns, and uh, the Browns basically uh, took on that cap hit, uh, got the pick, and uh, have now moved on. Brock Osweiler again. So running through those. 
you mentioned already that Jonathan Williams and TJ Ward are surprises. Do you want to go more in depth on the, the Williams bit or do you, any other ones that uh, stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, the the Williams thing is it kind of compounds what the Bills have been doing and just kind of cutting bait with a lot of these players that uh, we thought were, were the best players on their team. Uh, Sammy Watkins, and then uh, they cut their best cornerback, and Jonathan Williams obviously isn't their best running back, but uh, added some really nice depth to a team that used multiple running backs last year. We saw it last year with Mike Gillisley. Uh, a, a lot of people are kind of looking at this as, oh, now Shady's going to be guaranteed 20 touches a game, but I don't know how much. Uh, I think he's 29, and he's been a workhorse for pretty much his whole career. I don't know if, if he could hold up and i just don't think this bill's offense is going to be that good so if there there's a lot of touchdown upside on a team that was or at least shady was already expected to regress um that that's that's a situation that i'm still a little nervous about uh the other situation that i think uh i don't know if it caught people off guard but it just it it went about so so weird this offseason was that San Francisco backfield we heard early in the year that Carlos Hyde wasn't a good fit for the new uh, Kyle Shanahan blocking scheme and then they talked up Joe Williams who they traded up for uh, and then Matt Breda came in and just really impressed in camp but what what all it really sounds like is after all of that offseason chatter it looks like Carlos Hyde is is going to be the workhorse I mean he's a he's a really good running back I, I think that might have just been some some motivational coach speak or something because it seems like he's uh, pretty pretty clearly the main guy in that backfield now. Yeah, for me, uh, when you're talking about height, it's, it's never been a, a case of ability. It's been a case of uh, staying healthy and staying on the field. Even mm-hmm. when Frank Gore was there and when he was a rookie, he made some nice splash plays there. So I think I agree with everything you said there. The one thing that I did think of this offseason was when the Joe Williams and the hype was starting to get behind him. I, I did say on the podcast a couple of times, just let's all calm down. Don't be an out in the rookie. And, you know, people said about that... Uh, they banged on the table during the draft, you know, that it was Shanahan's pick and so on and so forth. And sometimes we just have to, you know, let that stuff go and uh, take it with a grain of salt. So uh, that was a, a big, big uh, change there for what has happened so far. And uh, I think Carlos Hyde is a player that's going to be very interested. I'm and very interested to see what the 49ers do week one and how they play, because if they uh, can have a offense that can keep them in games, I think Hyde has a, a good opportunity there to be the workhorse. You mentioned as well uh, LaShawn McCoy and you know him getting a workload, but you know if you're on a bad team, that workload sometimes doesn't rely or relate too much. But they are favourites this week against the New York Jets. How do you see him? Do you think he's uh, obviously? I think he's definitely the starter this week. But outside of him, how do you see any starters in that or two sets of teams? Yeah, I, I mean, you're going to play Shady if you have him on your team. You're not going to sit him anywhere. Um, but I, I just – the Jets still have a decent uh, run defense. I mean, that team's going to be such a disaster that the Bills are probably going to end up uh, with really favorable field position, and I'm sure Shady will, will score as we expect at least in week one. The 49ers are uh, a team that I'm really looking at for – uh, maybe as like the upset special of the week, just because Carolina is, they're kind of tr- overhauling their offensive scheme. They're they're going to be asking Cam to do some things that uh, he isn't used to doing, and he hasn't really played this preseason. I mean, we we know his ceiling. We saw how how 
much he can carry this offense in 2015, but we've also seen his floor. So I think that volatility from this team is going to show up week to week, especially early in the season as they're they're trying to adjust. I think Funchess is uh, probably going to integrate himself into the offense a little bit more. So there's just a lot of moving parts that haven't necessarily been together on the field at one time. And uh, I, I think that the 49ers are, are probably going to be a, a little bit better than they were last year. And in week one, with Carolina traveling across the country, uh, this game could play out a, a lot different than I think people are expecting it to. Yeah, and I was looking through the, the bet nods um, over the last couple of days for these games, and a lot of them, when you're going down through them, even in some uh, you know survivor pools, and I was looking down through them, there's a lot of games this week that I feel that you know teams that people aren't expecting to do too well could uh, spring an upset because a lot of the, the betting lines are very close against the spread. Uh, you mentioned Cam Newton. I'm going to run through some of the news now. And Cam Newton is ready to play in week one, but uh, he's only attempted two passes this preseason. So like you, I'm a little bit concerned. And uh, they're, you know the whole offensive scheme going to be changed. There's Christian McCaffrey coming in. You know, we'll see how much Jonathan Stewart's used. And if you look at the wide receivers there with Benjamin and Funches, and it's just there's a lot of questions there. So it's going to be interesting. And definitely there's going to be a buzz around the 49ers uh, stadium when you have uh, you know a new offense or a new basically offensive scheme and head coach coming in so i'm interested to see how that one goes down andrew luck he will not be involved in week one he's out against the los angeles rams he had shoulder surgery early in the off season as we all know and uh, you know it's it's a, it's a surgery that you know in particular i've had with baseball players that it can take them anywhere up to 12 months to recover from so a pretty pretty serious uh, shoulder operation but he he did avoid PUP, so he's not going to miss uh, the entire first six weeks of the season based on that, but he could still be out for the, the next uh, couple of weeks. It's been talked about, you know, maybe week four or week five or week six that he comes back. Uh, how much have you been downgrading uh, the Coles players for week one in particular with luck being out? Um, I'm, I'm taking them. I mean, I play more DFS than anything, but uh, they're all off my board completely. If you drafted someone like T.Y. Hilton, I mean, you're in a spot where if you drafted a decent team, you're probably sitting him even though you spent a second or third round pick. Now, if you if you drafted in the last week or so, hopefully you you faded him. But if, if you're someone that drafted early August, late July, um, you spent a second or third round value on him. But that's a sunk cost at this point. You, you have to sit all your Colts. And if you can dump any of them anyway... I think you have to do it because even if Andrew Luck comes back in, in week six, he could, I mean, it, if they start one and five or even worse, zero oh and six, even zero oh and four, Luck comes back and, and loses a game. I mean, how much are they really going to push him to, to play the entire season? Like you said, this is an injury that can linger. I, I have concerns that this might just kind of be a lost season for the Colts if, if he's out for the first month. Yeah, and he's uh, helping, as you mentioned, there's a player I own in a number of dynasty leagues, and I have some very interesting uh, situations this weekend where I, I think I will be sitting them, and uh, there's some names that if you had said, you know, at the start of the offseason, yeah, you're going to be sitting this guy, you're going to be sitting uh, T.Y. Hilton and playing uh, an X name, uh, it just wouldn't have been uh, coming across my conscience, so it's going to be an interesting weekend. Uh, Adrian Peterson wants to have a big performance against his former team in week one, he heads uh, to play the Minnesota Vikings and uh, narrative street may not be enough uh, for him to overcome their stout run defense I think you know I think uh, people are, are sleeping a little bit on the Vikings heading into this season Tyrod Taylor Tyrod Taylor practiced Monday so coming out of the concussion protocol uh, he is expected to start Jordan Matthews uh, I think he had a full practice today I don't have that written down in my sheet in front of me uh, is that do you know if he had a full practice today 
I, I did see that he practiced. I'm not sure if it was a full practice, but uh, it, it did sound like they're saying he's ready to go for week one. Yeah, it, lo- it looks like he is ready to go. That's what I took away from it, but uh, I just uh, don't have it updated on the sheet in front of me here. So it's going to be uh, interesting if he is fit, because I didn't think when he suffered that injury a couple of weeks ago that he would be playing week one. Le'Veon Bell is back with the Steelers. He returned on Friday, uh, and he or on Thursday, rather, and he signed uh, that contract, which is a one-year $12.12 million contract uh, on the franchise tag. He missed the entire preseason and attempted to get a new contract, but they didn't sign a longer-term deal. Are you concerned with him? just coming back this past week and then uh, heading straight into the starting role on week one if you have locked into your your lineups no i mean he's he has two straight years of of coming uh back to a starting role cold because he's been suspended the last two years to start the season uh so he's already proven that he, he doesn't need to uh warm up so to speak and then the steelers are lucky enough to start with maybe the the best situation they'll have all year against uh, the Browns. The Steelers are are favored by uh, I think the line moved to eight now, but uh, Cleveland really struggles against running backs, and the, all this whole team is I think going to blow up. The, the Steelers are are going to put up a huge number, and uh, I think Le'Veon is is going to be a player that just win weeks on his own uh, in week one. And uh, then we're looking at the the Dolphins versus the Bucks, and unfortunately, uh, well, unfortunately, it's not going to be call- played this week. It's going to be played in week eleven. But uh, you know, for the the residents of the Florida area, big concerns obviously with the hurricane coming in. So that is uh, a huge concern. Anyone in that area, if you you know, just make sure you stay safe. Listen to this, and uh, we'll just wait for that contest in, in week eleven. So unusual for a team to have a week one bye week, but that's the way things have uh, filtered out there. Odell Beckham didn't practice, but uh, as we record this on Thursday, there is still hopes that he will play um, this week uh, against the Cowboys on Sunday night football. It's something obviously monitored very closely. If he is healthy, you just sinking him straight into that lineup. I think I think you have to. Yeah, but it's it's a really tough spot. Anytime you have a questionable player on Sunday or Monday night, uh, you, you're forced to make some some pretty tough decisions. So. If you are an Odell owner, uh, there, there's a, probably a pretty good chance that Sterling Shepard didn't get drafted. If, if uh, maybe waivers haven't ran in your league yet or you're a league that uh, has open waivers going into week one, I think you should definitely either uh, find out if Sterling Shepard is available or maybe look for uh, someone like, like a, a charger a bronco or, or someone on the monday night slate that uh might be a, a just a late flyer because you don't want to get stuck with odell in your lineup and no backup plan yeah you know and even if you're looking at the vikings maybe somebody like treadwell probably wasn't drafted i know we're probably not expecting much of them in week one but if you're in a situation where you you're not going to play somebody in those early games as you mentioned you do need to, to look at those uh, kind of deeper options maybe Dontrell Inman, maybe for the chargers or something like that if he's on waivers in your league uh, yeah the- and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you should, uh, if you have a flex position, you should definitely have Odell in your flex because uh, if for some reason you just need to grab like some really bad second running back, that's an option too. Yeah, another very, very good point. And that, they're all keys. You know, you learn these as you go along playing fantasy football, but, you know, sometimes when you're playing, you forget to mention things like that on the podcast. But that is a very, very good piece of advice for anybody lining up with uh, Odell this weekend. Uh, for the Texans, uh, DeAndre Hopkins signed a new five year, $81 million contract through 2022, nearly $50 million in guarantees for him, breaking the previous NFL record for a wide receiver. Uh, quarterback is a big issue, obviously, for the team, but you know, the, uh, taking in 
in the draft this year. Savage is going to start this week. Uh, but with, uh, with, with even those quarterback concerns, uh, there's no doubt that Hopkins is a true number one wide receiver. Yeah, he's even last year. I mean, people uh, just kind of remember their production and uh, how little he produced relative to what people paid for him. But he was still top 10 in the league in terms of targets per game. Uh, You're not going to sit him this week, but the concern is that he's going to be facing his old teammate, uh, A.J. Bouye who is one of the few corners that uh, can really just deem a wide receiver um, useless, really. So I think if if you maybe are in like a PPR league where you started really wide receiver heavy, you start with three or four wide receivers, um, even though you might have spent a third round uh, pick on Hopkins, you might think about sitting him this week in that specific situation. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that as well. The, the Jaguars are a team that... I'm not expecting much offensive from, from them this year, but defensively, I think they could be one of the, the better defenses in the league. There's a, a lot of talent there now that are going to class Campbell this offseason as well. So they're, they're somebody to watch uh, this year on the defensive side off the ball. Looking then, obviously, we only have one week uh, in the books, but I guess you can look at it from the perspective of uh, having uh, the bye week affecting the Dolphins and the Bucks this week, whether it's injuries, whatever happened, or there's luck and you need a quarterback. Some players are going to run through here to talk about maybe late waiver wire pickups for week one. Usually you don't want to be picking people up this early, but sometimes it does happen. Uh, so looking at waiver wires, I'm going to go through the quarterbacks, and there's not a lot there probably that you're looking to pick up. But uh, Carson Palmer might be available in some leagues, or else you have Sam Bradford or Alex Smith. Out of those three, who would you be recommending uh, somebody to start this week if they're they're having to stream one of those? Yeah, if if Sam uh, if Carson Palmer is available in in your league, you, that's definitely the guy you want to go to. But sixty three percent usually means that um, in any league that's paying attention, that he's not available. It has that that uh, includes all public leagues. Uh, in, in most leagues, I think Sam Bradford's probably the option you're looking to against uh, a Saints defense that has been really vulnerable against the past. Uh, they moved Stephon Diggs to the outside, and Adam Thielen has a, a full year with Brad. So uh, I think that Bradford's going to take advantage of the secondary. He didn't throw deep a lot last year, but he didn't necessarily have to. They weren't asking him to. When he did, he was really efficient and really accurate. And I think we're going to see that with Diggs and Thielen in week one against uh, the Saints secondary. Yeah, and when you look at uh, you know how people are t- drafting, you know with ADP, you know Thielen, Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, you have to expect it the quarterback's going to have uh, you know an uptick in value with those three guys expected to produce a little bit this year and last year he was very efficient although as you mentioned wasn't a lot of deep passes involved in it and uh, I think Bradford is somebody this year who you know we always talked about Alex Smith this kind of being that their reliable quarterback that you could always uh, stream and I think Bradford is definitely in that category this season and just looking here it's next up's running backs and we've got the whole way to this point and uh, we didn't mention that Ezekiel Elliott is available to play for the Cowboys in week one so we we did let that there just slip through the net but I'm sure if you're listening to the podcast (laughs) you have already heard that (laughs) news Uh, so we'll be talking about that game in a moment and (laughs) maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more running backs to pick up there's Jamal Williams of the Packers Rex Burkhead Darren Sproles Jeremy Hill and Wendell Smallwood I'm staying away from all Philadelphia Eagles running backs this week. Anyway, that's for sure. Do I get a little bit more kind of clearance or verification on what's expected to happen? I think out of that list, I'm looking at Rex Burkhead. There's been a, a lot of buzz around Rex Burkhead, particularly coming out of the, the New England be- uh, Patriots beat writers this, this week. Uh, he was somebody I was very high on prior to Gillisley signing with uh, the Patriots, but it looks like uh, Burkhead might have a, a nice role here uh, come Thursday night. But I guess people listening to this, it could be after the opening game happens. 
Yeah, I, I mean, Gillisley hasn't got uh, much, if any, work in in the preseason. And uh, if you're someone like like me, who I mentioned, I, I tend to draft wide receivers really early, so I, I rely on uh, early early running back value. And one of the guys that uh, I targeted heavily in my drafts was uh, Jaquiz Rogers. So I'm already in a hole at that running back two spot in, in a lot of my leagues. Uh, so with that, without Gillisley, it could be a big dose of Burkhead Thursday. Uh, Jeremy Hill is listed as the starter in Cincinnati. They have Joe Mixon listed as the RB3. It sounds like they're just going to rotate those guys, but uh, like I said, if if you're someone that's in a similar spot where you either drafted uh, you drafted Quiz or even if you drafted McFadden when the, the Zeke news was still up in the air as uh, a running back two and you're just going to figure it out after week three or four, uh, these are the guys that you might want to plug in. Um, one guy that's not listed here that I think if you're in a PP league you can probably grab is Shane Vereen he's only owned in 16% of leagues and uh, he's good for for three or four catches a game and usually those running backs are going to get you seven or eight yards a catch and New York is going to be a, a very uh, pass heavy team so I think Vereen at the very least can offer you like a six or seven point floor while you try to figure it out uh, before quiz comes back next week if you're one of those owners. Yeah, and I think another name that's not down there is Chris Thompson for the Redskins. I think yep, that he'll, that was he'll, my other yeah, one. he'll have a, a similar role to, to Vereen there, two players uh, with my approach as well to drafting that I have in a lot of leagues. You mentioned Jeremy Hill being the starter. I think it was this time last year that Chris Johnson was the, the starter over uh, David Johnson You know, on their depth chart heading into week one. So sometimes we see this, we'll, we'll get more clearance as, as it goes along. But you know, all off-season long, I guess that has been the story that Hill was going to be the starter. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a Hill guy. And I just uh, finished up the end of my MFL 10 drafts uh, earlier today. And I looked through you know, the, the, the players that I've drafted. And I have done 25 leagues and I have 15 shares of uh, Giovanni Bernard. So, so. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was drafting Gio early in the process too. Um, one other guy that's, that's if you're in a really, really deep PPR league and you just need to throw a, a Hail Mary at RB2, I, I think Brandon Oliver is worth yeah, a look. I've uh, been stashing him the last kind of week and a half in particular. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that we've seen carry the load in very small periods of time when they've when they've needed him to. But he's a decent pass catcher, and they intended for him to be that kind of third down uh, Danny Woodhead type back before he got hurt last year to compliment Gordon. I don't think they want Gordon to get 350 touches, and uh, Denver's a really good run defense, so. Uh, Gordon could be could really struggle between the tackles this week, and they could Oliver can kind of be a, a Chris Thompson or Shane Vereen at least in week one, give you at least some kind of floor. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and you know the Denver's Broncos or the Denver Broncos defense as well against the. The run is very stout, but then against the past two running backs, it has been a kind of a weak mm-hmm. point. And I'll remember back to last year when they faced um, the Atlanta Falcons and Tevin Coleman really did light them up in that there game. Yeah. So they do they do have that little bit of a weakness there. On to wide receivers now. Looking down through the list, we have Zay Jones, Kendall Wright, Paul Richardson, who has been named the number two on the depth chart at the Seahawks wide receiver position, Kevin White, who should get a an uptick in uh, targets even though he hasn't really done much to this point in the league Cooper Cup the rookie down uh, in LA with the Rams Kenny Galladay the rookie with the Lions and then Robbie Anderson with the Jets any of those guys catching your eye are there any of those that you were interested in as the offseason progressed 
Yeah, it's going to depend what your uh, situation is. If you just kind of need a, a floor play, like if you're really thin at wide receiver and can't afford high volatility, I really like Kendall Wright. Uh, I think he's going to out-target Kevin White. Uh, Wright's going to play the slot with uh, Cameron Meredith out. I think they're going to just look to uh, throw throw safer balls and, and not try to make mistakes. And I, I Kendall Wright's probably going to be the beneficiary. He was the uh, lead target guy in their third preseason game, which is, of course, that basically the, the dress rehearsal. But if you're in some kind of really deep league and with maybe like three starting wide receivers and a couple flex spots and you're really solid at wide receiver, you want some upside – I really like Paul Richardson this week. I mean, that game's going to shoot out the Packers and the Seahawks. Richardson's going to be the primary wide receiver, too. And last year, Jermaine Curse actually commanded a really heavy target volume in that same uh, position as the wide receiver, too. He just didn't do anything with those targets. I think there's going to be enough to go around this game to support Baldwin, um, Jimmy Graham, and Richardson. So he could be a really sneaky upside play this week. Yeah, and I'm drinking, as the show goes on here, I'm drinking out of a, a Packers glass, and uh, <laughs> I can tell you the Packers uh, cornerbacks uh, have a lot to be desired at this point. Yeah. And uh, So, yeah, I, I do agree with that. I'm, I'm interested to see if Tyler Lockett gets any, any targets this week as well. With uh, He's somebody that I, I really liked this time last year, and, uh, you know, it just hasn't worked out for him since he had a leg injury at the end of last season. We'll see how it, how it goes with Paul Richardson getting the opportunity there and I guess if you're having to start any of those guys this week you are really in a hole at the wide receiver position hopefully you drafted better than having to, to pick up some of them guys this week uh, tight ends is the last one we're going to hit and it's uh, Kobe Fleener, CJ Fedorowicz and Austin Hooper I do like both Fedorowicz and Hooper I'm not a Kobe Fleener fan out of those guys any of them you like uh, as a streaming option? I'm actually a little bit uh, disagreement with you on this one. I'm actually kind of high on on Fleener going into the year just because tight ends a position that that relies heavily on on touchdowns yeah, and Kobe yeah. Fleener didn't score a lot of touchdowns last year, but he did lead the team in uh, red zone targets and and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, JJ Zacharies in late round qu- uh, quarterback tweeted out some stats about Fleener without Willie Sneed and they were actually quite impressive last year uh, when Sneed did miss a game. So uh, I, I mean if if I'm in a pinch. I I like Fleener, probably Fedora, which is a safer play. I'm not on the Hooper train. I've I've heard some hype around him, but that offense just really hasn't looked uh, to the tight end much. I I think with Steve Sarkeesian over uh, in Atlanta now, I think we're going to see them kind of go back to that 2015 model where it's just all Julio all the time. Uh, He saw a 30% target share in 2015. I think he could approach that this year. It dropped down to about 24% last year. I know Sarkeesian's really, uh, really wants to get Julio the ball as much as possible and uh, I do like Hooper I liked him pre-draft process I like the Lanton spot and maybe it's just that you're always thinking of Tony Gonzalez playing there in Atlanta Mm -hmm. but I do think as the season progressed last year he did uh, start to have a little bit nicer of a time getting a little bit more targets getting used a bit more in the red zone caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl uh, you know he had a nice game against the Packers too so I I think there's potential there I I usually look for that third year for uh, the tight ends to start to to do a little bit more but uh, just on the the topic as well of Fedorowicz he signed a new contract with the Texans as well the Texans Mm -hmm. given out a lot of money this last week so that's uh, positive if you own him in Dynasty just uh, you know I I like to see teams rewarding players then you kind of know that they're more invested than just if he's on a 
you know a two-year cheap contract as a as a rookie so that is uh, another interesting note so we're going to run through some awards then we're going to hit some games if we have time at the end but uh, first award that we're going to give out is the first round fantasy pick of this draft season that is most likely to be a bust in 2017 uh, who do you think is going to flame out <laughs> Uh, first round pick to be a bust. I'm actually really worried about LaShawn McCoy. Um, I, I think that offense is just going to really struggle with all, all the pieces gone. I, I don't know if they really have an identity. They signed all these wide receivers that are basically slot guys, and Tyrod Taylor isn't someone that could throw over the middle. Shady is expected to he, – he performed way over his head in terms of touchdown last year. I'm not excited about Shady this year. Yeah, I feel in a similar way, mainly to do with the, the game script scenario of it is what uh, is going to concern me. I think they'll be, but again, he'll get the passing attempts there. My one would be Melvin Gordon, like what he did last year, but, you know, we already kind of touched on Brandon Oliver. I think he, he will get the majority of the passing downs. And I think with, uh, you know, when you have Keenan Allen back this year, I think it's just going to be a little bit more uh, pass heavy as well for for the Chargers. And I'd be a little bit concerned about Melvin Gordon. I, I don't like going uh, wide receiver or running back that early anyway so it's just uh, their players both of those players that in redraft in particular are best ball leagues this year i've been passing on just uh, i've been going wide receiver at that point at all yeah. times i do i do like the chargers offense as a whole this year though i think they can i think they can surprise some people and win that division uh, i i i think they just got really unlucky last year that's still a good football team I think, though, I agree with you on the offensive side of it, uh, but I think the only way Melvin Gordon hits that kind of first-round ADP is if he gets kind of touchdowns in a similar way to the Garrett Blunt got last year, if he gets oh, some. Kind of so that would be the reason. I, I think he'll still finish maybe with a kind of a third-round valuation, but you mm-hmm. know, when you're taking him at the, the ninth or tenth pick overall, that's, that's not really going to cut it for you. Next one up is the non-playoff team from 2016 to make the playoffs in 2017. I have a very, very clear option on this one, but I'm going to let you go for <laughs> I I'm like 99% sure they didn't make the playoffs. I forgot to check, but I I like the Buccaneers this year. Oh yeah, no, the Buccaneers didn't make the playoffs last year, and uh, you know they're they're an interesting team. Uh, I mentioned earlier the defensive side of it. I think that there's something that people aren't really talking about. It. I like some of the the pieces there, and of course they still have Gerald McCoy there, which is obviously a fantastic help to any defense. Mines is uh, going to be another team with the, a quarterback drafted in the exact same draft class, drafted one pick after Jameis Winston, and that is. Uh, that he or the Tennessee uh, Titans mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. I think they're kind of maybe at this stage the trendy pick but you know I, I'm not a fan of the head coach down there but uh, I, I have to say I'm, I'm a huge Mariota fan and uh, over the last kind of pretty much since he came into the league I've had a, a soft spot there for for the Titans and they are in the AFC so they're not really in, in contention unless they get to the playoffs with the Packers so I do have that little bit of a, a soft spot for them do you think uh, they're a team on the on the rise this year or do you think uh, would you still rather go with your books? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that Vegas has them projected for the, the highest win total over uh, last year's win total. So they're a team that's definitely on the rise. And that division, I mean, we've talked about what the Colts are going to look like. Yep. Jaguars are changing their identity completely with uh, Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin there now. So there's probably going to be some growing pains there. And then uh, the Texans are, are, are the Texans. They're, they're going to compete. But with Tom Savage on their center, like how, what, what's really your upsides? I think Titans are should be the the favorite in that division by uh, a pretty reasonable margin and then i'm always rooting for eric decker if anybody's ever yeah, looked at my twitter of, co- <laughs> of course i want eric decker to go to the playoffs i want to see him play as much as possible 
Yeah, I'm in the I'm in that camp as well, and I think it's uh, you know the one thing about uh, the Texans this year they may be similar to the Broncos the year they won the Super Bowl because that defense is going to be absolutely insane mm-hmm. if JJ Watt can stay healthy. Uh, moving on now to the next one, the worst record in the NFL, the number one pick in 2018. We may hit on the same team here. I don't know. Is this the easiest question you've ever had on the podcast? Uh, it may be. Does your team begin <laughs> with uh, J and end with S? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> they play in New York. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the, the Jets are definitely the favorite there. I think most people have them penciled in. But, again, maybe the, the Jets will come in and surprise us. I think their season win total in Vegas is set at uh, around, I think it's five and a half. So if they, if they head over that, I'm going to be very, very surprised. So uh, I think they will be drafting number one overall next season. Uh, the team you're most looking forward to watching in 2017? Yeah, I, I mentioned him as my my playoff team. I really can't wait to see what this Bucks offense mm-hmm. looks like with Deshaun, uh, with Jameis. Uh, I, I think Jameis is just a really good real quarterback, and I think that's going to show up in in his fantasy numbers this year. Uh, Cameron Brate's a really good tight end. OJ Howard's a rookie, but he just adds to the weapons. And I I've always just been a fan of Dirk Cotter offenses. I like how he uses his players. I like how he he doesn't really care who the name is in the backfield. He he gets that running backs replaceable um and i think bucks are gonna i think bucks can can win that division obviously i said i think they could make the playoffs i I like that team a lot yeah it seems like we could answer the same question for the playoff one too (laughs) i I like watching the titans and mainly down to mariota and now they have decker i like delaney walker as well so they have players that i like and they're not in a competing uh, conference with the packers so it just uh makes it feel a little less dirty to be wanting to watch <laughs> some yeah. of team playing. Uh, and then, how, I mentioned this at the start of the show, how long before all our preseason picks uh, look ridiculous? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's going to probably be really early because I spend most of my off-season talking about uh, guys that did good last year that are going to be bad this year and vice versa. So yeah. um, none of my picks are down the middle in the offseason. So it, it gets pretty ugly pretty quick for me. And then I, you pile on the fact that I, I put most of my focus on on DFS and it's pretty easy to get egg on your face uh, in that arena. So uh, I, I'd say about um, come come 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific <laughs> time on Sunday. Yes, yeah, so literally straight away. But there's no point in uh, just you know agreeing with everything everybody else is saying. We have to try and differentiate, and uh, that there makes it a lot more fun when we're we're talking about football. With the games, uh, we're not going to go through them all. Obviously, is there any games in particular that you have any players that you think should be start or set this week? Uh, you know that we didn't talk about. Um, I, Alshon Jeffrey is going to be shadowed by Josh Norman. That's pretty concerning. Uh, again, he's a guy kind of similar to DeAndre Hopkins. If you, you probably spent like a third or a fourth round value on him. But again, if you start a wide receiver heavy, or even if you just got a, like a Pierre Garcon or someone like that, a couple of rounds later, you're probably going to end up starting him, um, over Alshon this week. And I, I think, uh, the same thing for Dez. The last time Dez faced, Janoris Jenkins oh, yeah, he yeah. he had the fewest points ever of a player with at least nine targets so uh he 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 caught a ball but he actually had a fumble so he had negative one point on nine targets uh no one's ever done that before no let me get this up i'm actually uh drafting up uh, i'm starting another show uh, i suppose i'll do the plug now with rotoviz this week and uh, i'm gonna be talking with a beat reporter every week uh, covering a, a marquee game kind of the week and we'll we'll talk in depth for about 15 minutes with the beat reporter and then i'll break it down for a, a fantasy view after but i have actually that stat up here uh, in the in the show notes for uh, Des last season in two games against the Giants uh, he caught he saw 14 targets and was able to catch two combined passes for mm-hmm. 18 yards Janoris Jenkins did cover him uh, primarily in that and I, I think as well 
that Jenkins uh, forced that fumble and I think he might have had an interception mm-hmm. on a different play as well five passes defensed as well and so uh, it's not looking good for Dez this week so uh, we'll see uh, about that but there's a lot of tough wide receiver matchups this week particularly for wide receivers taken in those first three rounds so it takes big it takes uh, guts to, to sit them out this week and maybe they do score a touchdown and you feel bad but you know if they, if they sit and they have you know four points and uh, someone on your bench comes out with uh, 14 points it's gonna it's gonna feel very much worse so tj uh, you're on twitter at tj hernandez uh, i didn't mention in the intro as well but you're the co-founder of roster coach uh, do you want to give a plug to that and uh, anything else you've got going on as well you've got the the dfs mvp podcast so i'll let you have the floor now for a minute and uh, do all your plugging uh, yeah now now that week one's finally here i'm really pumping out all the content uh l- like i mentioned once we get into week one my my main focus is on dfs so uh over at roster coach we do uh video based classroom style uh videos and and the idea is just to help you uh, really understand how to play the game of dfs it's it's meant to be a supplement to uh, your weekly research and again you just kind of get to see uh, my process and some other really smart guys process uh, of what they're doing throughout the week to, to build DFS rosters and then all of us are available for one-on-one coaching uh, you mentioned uh, Chris Raybon and I do yeah. the DFS MVP podcast for 4 for 4 uh, that's really fun we have a blast with that every week and again just going through uh, some of our favorite uh, DFS plays of the week and then we do do a, a theory set segment at the end of that uh, where we kind of do similar to roster coach we're just kind of focused on the learning process of dfs and then uh four for four we got a bunch of new guys over there we got justin bailey who's uh formerly done stuff with uh rotoviz uh roto grinders fantasy insiders he's one of the sharpest dfs guys out there and also we got ryan hodge on the team now so uh the the team over at four for four is fantastic and there's just a lot of great uh content and tools i mean basically I, i've been telling people you can log on to four for four and not have to leave the site this year no matter what game you play it's it's pretty exciting yeah i have to agree four for four is awesome uh, you mentioned uh Rotoviz as well i have to say Rotoviz is awesome as well but uh, oh, yeah. when, <laughs> when we're uh, you're talking about roster coach as well definitely and what the dfs stuff that you've got going on people think now you kind of dfs oh i don't want to look at that because it's only for one week or so on and so mm-hmm. forth but the, the advantage it gives you even in dynasty leagues when you're looking at starting and setting players people get the dynasty look at things they're thinking a year two years three years ahead i think like now once you get to this point of a dynasty season you need to be thinking one week one week one week you need to be thinking if your season has 14 yeah you're trying to season, win yeah, 14 regular season weeks you need to win probably eight to ten of them to get yourself into the playoffs so you just need to be winning week by week so if you're listening to something tj saying he's saying to start somebody who you think might uh, not have a, a great dynasty future you know there's a lot of people will be playing ted Ginn this week and uh, leagues yeah. and you know people you know six months ago he had no dynasty value so things like that there it's good the more that you open your mind to the more that you can learn and the more that uh, you have a chance of winning basically so it's just fill your mind with as much knowledge and uh, fill it with as much fantasy football knowledge i know it'll it'll help you win fantasy games it mightn't help you with anything in, in the real world but uh, i guess uh, that there that's all we have today you mentioned that uh, that that if dfs i mean if you're even if you're playing five dollars it makes you go through every single play in the in the yeah. entire player pool so it makes start sets really easy and it's like MFL 10s. I've been drafting them all mm-hmm. off season. And then when you're setting your lineups this week, I went yesterday and I, I tweeted out that when you're, I started locking them, setting my lineups, I'm like, oh, I'm in too many leagues. And I've cut down <laughs> the leagues this year uh, in too many leagues. But when you know, 
all the players that you're drafting in the 20th round of those uh, MFL 10 leagues. And, yeah. you know, we're talking about Branton Oliver. There's people probably listening to this that might only be into fantasy this past year. Branton Oliver missed the entire last season with a torn Achilles. Mm-hmm. And they're probably wondering who the hell Branton Oliver is. <laughs> right. When you're playing dynasty leagues and deep leagues, and when you're playing uh, off-season uh, MFL 10s and so on, you, you kind of know all these players. So it really, anything you can do to help you throughout the season, that's when you can hit the waiver wires uh, straight away. You know who those values are. You've been watching them through the preseason. So... That is fantastic. TJ, as I mentioned, is on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I mentioned those banner ads earlier. Make sure you do check them out on OvertimeIreland.com. Helps us out here. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And until I'm back with the next show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.